Something you may never have considered could be a franchise, but is so important to so many couples is wedding planning. And it is a huge industry. Weddings typically cost about $28,000 and nearly a third hire a wedding planner. Well, Complete Weddings and Events are experts in this arena, and they have created a wonderful franchise. Join me as I talk with Eric Moss, the CEO of Complete Weddings and Events, to learn more about this amazing opportunity. Welcome to the Franchise You Podcast, where key industry leaders provide education and inspiration. Here's your host, Dr. Kathy Gosser, the director of the Yum Center for Global Franchise Excellence at the University of Louisville. And welcome to another episode of Franchise You. With me today, I have Eric Moss, who is the CEO of Complete Weddings and Events. Welcome, Eric. Glad to have you here. Thank you. Thanks for the opportunity. Uh, this is going to be a fun one. So you yes. have worked almost your entire life, over 31 years at Complete Weddings and Events. You've been in all roles, starting as a DJ, which I'm going to have you talk about in just a moment. You've owned your own franchise. You were the ops director at the corporate office, and now you're the CEO. So Eric, from what I've read is that Complete Wedding and Events was founded by your father, but you started as a DJ. Can you tell us about that, please? Absolutely. I mean, when they started, it was really the company was was not meant necessarily or the vision wasn't to grow it. It was basically a job for him when he was in college to get through school. And there were just more and more people kept booking. He, I was hiring DJs. So I was around it when I was very young. Growing up around it, I always thought, you know, boy, DJs, those those guys were, they were pretty cool, you know? Oh, yeah. So, I always, always wanted to do it. But man, the first time I went out and did my first wedding, you know, we go through training and and I knew everything we needed to do. But the pressure of that first event being the son to the guy that owns the company and founded it, that was awful. I mean, the first two or three weddings, weddings went fine. Bride and grooms yeah. loved it. They all dance, had fun. But I was a mess. But uh, got into it and really enjoyed it. And it really, it's funny because it's not really about the music, people having fun, but you literally become like part of their family. Every weekend yes. you get introduced into a new group of people and you're part of their family. So I love that part of it, but I was a mess. And I thought, if I don't do well, I might as well forget my future, uh, you know? So anyway. I can I can um, see that. You know, I have to smile because we used to DJ at our wedding many, many years ago. And I remember telling the DJ, do not play the hokey pokey. Well, guess what the DJ did? <laughs> Played the hokey pokey and we all danced and loved it. So I was wrong. But you're actually an MC of the almost the entire reception when you're a DJ. It's not just spinning records. Yeah. Yeah. I would say most of the job really is the MCing, the important pieces of that. I mean, really, whether right, wrong, or indifferent, 70, 80% of the songs are the same. And right. and once people have a few drinks, even though you say you don't want the hokey pokey or the bird dance, after a couple of drinks, everybody wants a bird dance. So, you know, that's that's kind of how it goes. So exactly. Anyway. You know, when I got married, I was working at KFC at the time. So you can bet we did the chicken dance. You can bet <laughs> on that. So anyway, from there, um, you decided to become a franchisee. Why become a franchisee at your dad's company? You know, I, I've always wanted to be part of it. Um, the owners that were around at that time, I really enjoyed being at the meetings when, I, you know, going up and 
Uh, I was working at a company called First Data Resources, which was a uh, third-party credit card merchant. Um, and we worked. I worked in the security department, and that was just not quite as exciting as wedding. And the owners and the people that are around it, I just thought that was something I I really wanted to try. Once again, kind of when I started DJing, going and starting the franchise as a franchise owner, I just felt a, a tremendous amount of pressure to make sure that to perform well and and do well doing that. But yeah, it's something I've always kind of wanted to do, and that was kind of always my plan. So so I was excited to uh, take that step. Well, and that makes you quite unique because as the CEO now, you have walked in the in the shoes of your franchise owners. So you really know what it's like to be on that side. But what is your day-to-day work life look like now as CEO of this brand? When I got involved on the on the support side, we really had two people working in the support office. And it, a lot of people were working the local or the franchise that's here in Omaha. And so at that time, we came in and we were a DJ company. We didn't do the other services at that time. And so we really were just a DJ company with that happened to franchise. Mm. So when I came on, there was a lot of learning to do. And I found out about the IFA, went and became kind of a student of the IFA and started looking at best practices and really decided in 2007 is when I became the CEO. And at that time, because I didn't know better, I really was still wearing all the hats. Um, you know, I was was talking to the franchise owners. I was ordering the equipment. I was um, dealing with setting up our merchants and our vendors and um, pretty much doing it all and not doing it all very well, but just getting it done. And going to the IFA completely changed the way I saw it. And so then we became a franchise company that happened to offer DJing and then looking at the other opportunities and um, other profit centers that kind of matched what we did. And uh, we brought all the services on. So now I've really gotten to a point because of the education through IFA and other people like my mentor, which happens to be Don Eccles. You mentioned you're familiar with Scooter's Coffee. Yeah. Uh, Spent a lot of time with him and just getting to a place now where now instead of you know, sweeping the floor and ordering the equipment and everything else, basically really just managing my directors. And now we have well over 20 people in our support office and really managing those people and then talking to franchise owners. I I love doing that, uh, that piece of the job. So that's pretty much the majority of my time. And I would be lying if I didn't say there's a few fires once in a while that have to be put out. But for the most part, it's great conversations and really just relationship building with our franchise owners and our staff members. So glad you said that. I always talk about relationship building and how important it is. I always tell the students that. And so I love when I hear a CEO mention that as well. So let's talk about Complete Weddings and Events. So the history of Complete is that your father founded the concept and you started that with saying it was really a job for him. Can you tell us more about those early beginnings? Yeah, absolutely. So he was in Vietnam and uh, when he was there, you could buy audio equipment and stereo equipment very cheap. So he bought um, some speakers and a reel-to-reel player. For I don't know how many people would even know what that is anymore, but the reel-to-reel player, and he brought it back, and his sister was getting married. So his sister said, hey, you've got this great new sound system. Would you play some music at my wedding reception? And at that time, in the early 70s, if you had money, you would have a band and have a big party, but most people would have it 
cake and punch in the basement. And that was pretty much it. Yes. And so um, he did his sister's wedding and he has a fun personality. So he made it fun and he made the announcements and was goofy and played the music. And somebody else said, well, boy, that was pretty fun. Why don't you come to my event? And it kind of spread. So as he was going to school, um, he was on the GI Bill. So he was able to do that and just DJ to be able to get himself through school. When he graduated, he worked for a company called Calgon, which sold bath soaps and, and uh, other products. So he would go to grocery stores and do that. But he still had this, this goofy DJ business on the side that was generating more revenue than his full-time job was doing. So um, eventually he got an offer and they asked him to move to Kansas City. He declined it to do this, which obviously every one of his family members thought he was nuts Mm -hmm. um, to a DJ company, you know. But at the time, he had seven DJs working for him. And so he went full time and and was able to build build off that and and make it work. And those seven people that were working for him, three of them actually bought franchises later on. Oh, wow. That says a lot. And then he extended it beyond DJ services to complete wedding event planning, correct? Yes, Yes. Which, which is an industry. And I know we had talked beforehand. It, it, it's so interesting to me that folks think, oh, anyone can throw a wedding party. No, they can't. And to that point, the wedding industry is growing. And there's information on your website. I just loved it's from The Knot that a typical cost of a wedding is $28,000 and nearly a third hire a wedding planner. So planning that wedding is challenging. Can you tell us about the opportunity in the industry? Absolutely. You know, there's a lot of people that are interested in weddings, especially when a bride goes through that process, obviously enjoy that process and they want to get into that. Or there's a lot of anymore, a lot of colleges actually have that as a degree is event planning. Yeah. And so it's become more and more. And what's happened is the need for event planning happened when the weddings moved outside of the churches, because it used to be you go to a church, you get married, and then you go to a reception. Right venue and have your reception. And now everybody, all the reception or the venues now have an area to get married and have the weddings. So the weddings aren't necessarily, most of them aren't in churches anymore. When that happened, there was a goofy like two or three years where, so people would come to the rehearsal because that's what you do. Mm-hmm. And they would show up to the rehearsal and they'd look around and there'd be a, a minister or a pastor or somebody officiating, officiant, officiating the wedding. And they'd all look around and they're like, what are we supposed to do? And they, there's no one there. Because when they're at the churches, there was always this very sweet woman that was there that would handle like, this is when you walk up the aisle. This right. is what you do here. And so... Um, all of a sudden, event planning was kind of, once again, just for the wealthy or people that had a little more means and more more so on the coast, too. It was more traditional in the West Coast and East Coast to have some type of wedding planner. Um, and so when that happened, though, when they moved out of the churches everywhere, they just needed someone to be there to walk everybody through um, just some of the simple pieces in the processes. And then back then, like you had mentioned, really, the DJ was kind of the event planner at the reception. So for us, it was a natural fit because we know what needs to happen at those events. We do it every weekend. We're we're always there. So it was very easy for us to make that transition into event um, planning because and and try to if you try to get a you know an aunt or a family member to do it, um, that that tends to leads to some fighting. And <laughs> it's better to have somebody else hire it out and let them do it. Exactly. And so what is entailed with a wedding planning service? Like what do you provide to a bride and groom? Um, For us, 
really our company is kind of a one-stop shop for all the wedding services, all the fun parts of the wedding. We, we handle that. So we do the DJ, the video, the photography, the photo booth, the uplighting in the coordination. And oh, so wow. really when a bride books with complete, we have a full-time office staff that's able to take their calls and walk them through the process as they're going through the process. And when they book with complete, they're really, we're selling them what's called a day of coordinator. So they do meet with the coordinator and they do that planning, but they don't necessarily need that full service because of the support and office staff they get through the process during their planning process. Um, so they can meet with their coordinator at any time, but the coordinator basically makes sure that all the vendors are going to show up, that they're all checked off and verified and when they're supposed to be there. Um, I like to say that the coordinator is the kind of the babysitter of the of the vendors. So mm-hmm. making sure everybody's doing and everything's matched up and doing what they're supposed to do. So, but yeah, I think it's important because obviously you spend all this money and time and planning and a lot of these brides um, or anybody that's getting married have dreams of their wedding day. And so for us, it's very important that they do all that planning and everything else. And if things don't come together on that day, it can be very disappointing. And a coordinator is just a really good insurance policy to make sure that the day is going to go off and, and the bride or the family members not running around trying to communicate things to all the different vendors. Oh, I can see that. So when when someone purchases a franchise with you or becomes a franchisee, do you provide a list of vendors or are they free to choose their own vendors? How does that work? Um, the, the photographers and videographers are subcontractors, okay. but we have them come in and go through an interview process. We have quarterly meetings that they come in and they're part of that process. They meet with the other team members. So we're really big, big into relationship building. That's one of our core values uh, with Complete is making sure that we're establishing um, good culture. And so the photographer and videographers that usually work on their own, now they have a community and they're the DJ, the photographer, the videographer, the photo booth operator, like I said. And and so they get to be friends. And so it's not just like, hey, we need you to do this event on this day. They come in for meetings, ongoing training, because um, weddings are unique in the fact that corporations are a little more hands off. But weddings, it's all about the relationship. Oh, yeah. And it can be one of the most wonderful things to be part of as long as you understand customer service. So that's that we do a lot more training. So it's not a hands off. Thing. So what we do is we provide them how to find their photographers and videographers and DJs. We have a phase training program that they walk them through, and it's pretty extensive. It takes about a month to walk them all through that process. And then we have kind of a timeline that they all understand and follow that the bride gives or the, the couple gives us um, mm-hmm. for the event date. So that's kind of how we do that. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Do you do any other planning outside of weddings? We do. We do some um, event planning. So like if somebody's having um, an open house, we've done many open houses. We've have some national contracts in the past with other national marketing companies. So doing open houses for new stores that are opening nationwide or national brands. And so we've provided services for that and, you know, how to, how to get those set up and making sure that everything opens and starts at the right time. And they're coordinating their music with the giveaways and, and that sort of thing. So more like store openings and corporate event planning. Gotcha. Yeah, it's all very extensive. That's for sure. So let's talk a little bit about the franchising component. So I was reading that you've recently restructured the territories of Complete. So you have territories that you provide to your franchisees, but you restructured them, which reduced the number of franchises 
um, though it extended the reach of your franchisees. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, it was interesting. So we started about two years ago deciding, okay, we spent a lot of time building our support side. Um, we've been franchising since 1983, mm-hmm. but in a lot of ways, we can kind of be considered an emerging brand in some ways that has a lot of extensive knowledge and have been in industry the industry for a long time. So one thing we knew um, starting about seven, eight years ago is we needed to hire on the support. So we needed a marketing person. We needed an operations director. We needed franchise business coaches. And so we made an investment in the back end to make sure we had that all built. The next step for us was to go out and hire a um, franchise development director. And that was kind of an interesting process to kind of find out what is the What's what is the what do we need to expect as far as what the salary needs to be for that position and what does that all entail? Because um, on the outside, it's not just franchise sales. Obviously, it's there's a deep need of understanding of the um, the legal and the um, and the territories and all those pieces. So when we decided to go look for that, we we hit gold. By the way, uh, her name is Claire Moore, um, and so we went out and we did. Uh, kind of put it out there that we're looking and we talked to other people in the franchise industry, franchise business review and other friends of ours and mm-hmm. just said, Hey, you know, how, help us find somebody to do this. So like I said, we, we hit gold and Claire came in and said, wow, what a mess. Um, no, I'm kidding. Mm-hmm. Well, kind of. Um, but she came in and she said, you know, there's some things here that are best practices. And what's interesting is obviously we were kind of wrapped up in that whole concept of making sure that we have as many franchises as possible and kind of like in that rat race of like, okay, this is a territory and that's a territory. When Claire came in, she said, listen, we need to like, what are the territories and where are they at and where do they really fit in so that we can make sure that that we're best serving our franchisees? Because we can see if we have three or four franchises in a given area that they all perform much better because the brand awareness is so much higher and we get a larger market share, right? In the mm-hmm. past, we sold the first franchise that was sold was Ron Sexton. He bought the whole state of Texas. Oh, wow. And so we said, the state of Texas, you own 40 franchise territories, right? And that's not how the rest of them were set up, but he owns 40 franchise territories. And so when you're doing the Adam 19, obviously you have to spread them out to all those different areas, right? So I think uh, that wasn't a real representation of what we were doing. So I had to clearly made me let go of the fact that you know, we had all these franchise territories and say, listen, let's do this right and set this up properly and we'll grow from there. So that was the reason for just going and doing what is really happening instead of trying to, um, you know, not and we weren't inflating the numbers. We just had a franchise that would own two or three territories and really comparatively speaking, the, you know, two and through the second and third one were underperforming. Mm-hmm. So we went back to saying you have to have a general manager and that needs to be looked at as a true market, like you're a brand new owner. So um, we kind of went back to that and scaled back, took a couple steps back to take, you know, to move forward properly. So that's kind of. That's, uh, that's great. That makes sense because you explained that in your item 20 on your FDD. And that makes a lot of sense how you've described that. So that does set you up almost as an emerging brand. So what are your growth plans? Well, we basically for now, um, just adding 10 to 12, because some brands think that's kind of obviously a slow start, but really 10 to 12 is where our comfort zone is for the next two Mm -hmm. to three years. Make sure that our support, once again, I've been around long enough to see so many franchises 
grows way too fast, creating a lot of problems for the franchisee. And to be honest, for me, what fills my cup is, you know, finding out the why of the franchisee and making a difference in that franchisee's life. And so it's important that we have that support so that we're not bringing them in to better the franchisor. We're bringing them in to better the franchisee's life and their family and leave a legacy. We have four franchise owners that are second generation franchise owners. That's a big deal to us. Like they have built that. We also give um, education on how to use their finances and succession planning and buying real commercial real estate so they can have other income beyond just the brand. So for us, the support's so important. Just because I've seen and talked to too many people that bought franchise into franchise concepts that didn't have the support and ended up losing money and wasting money and in a lot of time. And I just don't I don't want to I want to be part of someone's story that's a success. So oh and that's what franchisees want as well. So that sounds like a perfect partnership. So looking into your FDD, there are a couple of questions I have. So I notice that you have a reduced franchise fee for the next year. If someone signs by March of, I think, 2024, what is the thought behind that? Um, as Claire kind of got in and we started things up, we've, we've kind of tightened up our, um, our interview process. Okay. And so we wanted, we wanted to see you know, that finances isn't as much of an obstacle as it needs to be. So we want to be more picky about finding the right, you know, match and mix to to what we do. And so um, we just wanted to kind of take that year and find out what a good franchise owner looks like for us and what seems to make sense. And um, once we establish that, we'll bring that back up. But we we wanted to spend a little more time that, so the finances wasn't as much of an obstacle as it is, just so we could kind of feel our way through that process. Makes sense. So also in item 11, there's a lot of conversation about the marketing support and the requirements. But one thing that was interesting was this notation about Google My Business. Can you tell us what that provides your franchisees? Yeah. So so in, it's funny. And when I started the business and um, everybody, I sound old when I say it, but you used to marketing basically for us in the wedding industry uh, was made up of once a year, a uh, yellow page advertising agent would come by and he would do the dog and pony show, you know, just a real salesy kind of guy like, you need to do a quarter page because yeah. your business depends on us, you know. And so he, yes. like the whole like and so you would place your ad back then and you would like sweat it until you got the yellow page. You look it up and see where your ad's at. Hopefully yeah. you're on the first page, you know, and then you were set for a year. Well, right. obviously now marketing has kind of obviously can change from day to day. So Google is really for weddings. We're an e-commerce business. I mean, 90% of the brides go online and they start, they, you know, they put into Google, whatever the service that they're looking for. Right. And so it's really important to us that the Google, my business page is set up properly and Google ads for us is extremely important. It's it's today's yellow pages. Mm. Um, and so at making sure that when the bride is looking for our services, that our franchise owners are there and getting those leads and generating leads. And I would say that's become absolutely one of the strongest pieces of glue for us is our marketing efforts and generating leads for our franchise owners. Oh, I love that you said that the Google My Business is like the yellow pages. And the sad part is I can relate to that, Eric. So that was a wonderful analogy. Thank you. You also have pretty extensive training. Can you tell us what that entails? 
Yeah. So there's obviously two sides of it. There's the franchise owner training and um, training on um, our CRM, which is a custom CRM for complete. And um, so there's a lot of training around that, um, a lot of training on time management, task management for the franchise owner or the GM, whoever's running the day-to-day operations. We also offer and provide services for the financial. We feel very strongly it's important for them to understand their EBITDA and their profit and setting up their QuickBooks. So we have the chart of accounts. So we spend a lot of time making sure that's set up properly. And then on the operations side, because we're a service-based business, there's a lot of um, a lot of training that goes around hiring and training because that is our product. We're not selling a gadget; we're selling you know services. So you know, and obviously, like anybody, you know, staffing is one of the the more difficult pieces of any business. And so we spend a lot of time on finding and training and setting up what, like I said earlier, what's called phase training for us that the staff go through each step so they can like launch successfully. And for us, because our end product is the success or failure of a wedding, we feel like a a large responsibility to make sure we do a lot of training with our franchise owners and their operations managers to make sure that those events are successful. Oh, that makes sense. I'm sure you have some stories of when it didn't go well, but do you have a story about a wonderful wedding that was planned? Oh, yes. Well, I, I'll tell you, um, one of the funniest stories is uh, we had a DJ and I was training. I was in Colorado Springs was where my franchise was at. Mm-hmm. I was training a DJ. We had a wedding coordinator there that was from a different company at the time. And um, we started the dance and we have the bride and groom come on the dance floor and dance. Well, this coordinator wanted the first dance between the, the bride and the father, which is a different way to do it. And then the groom comes in and taps on the shoulder. But that's not what the bride and groom wanted. So anyway, coordinator came up, started talking to the DJ. Listen, you, why didn't you do that? You needed to have the father dance with the bride. And he's kind of yelling at him. And the song is coming out. And so the next dance was a parent's dance. So, you know, the father and uh, the father and mother of the bride, and the father and mother of the groom come out and they, they have the four of them dance. Well, the, the coordinator got the DJ so frazzled. The DJ said, ladies and gentlemen, at this time, I like the father of the bride and the mother of the groom to come on the dance floor. The father of the bride, mother of the groom came on the dance floor, danced the whole dance. Everybody clapped at the end and they walked off and we're just like, oh, my goodness. Okay, so they danced themselves with no bride and groom in sight. No, father, bride, mother, the groom. Oh, my gosh. That is awesome. It was that is that is awesome. That is so fun. You know, we went to a wedding. um, A distant relative had a wedding where they called it a wedding. hillbilly wedding i think and the father of the bride actually had a fake um kind of like a shotgun pushing the groom along and i thought my goodness it was so unique and so fun i mean it was really fun so i'm sure you've seen a lot of fun things like that too oh yeah yeah but probably the best i mean really father of the bride and the bride dances are probably the most special and so there was there was one i can think of that this was once again early in my when i actually was djing where um, he was dying. He was in a wheelchair and oh. he went to so much PT. He surprised the bride by getting up out of his wheelchair. Oh, oh my and goodness. Dance with her. So that oh. was, that's cool to be part of those things. Like I said, yeah. it's kind of a special thing to be part of it such is. a big deal, you know? So anyway, I'm sure there was not a dry eye at that occasion. No. Oh, no. that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Well, Eric, we could talk weddings all day, but I'm going to ask you a couple more questions. So first of all, what qualities do you look for in a franchisee for your brand? Um, you know, really somebody that truly enjoys um, 
events and and is outgoing and can sell and also network because it's very important in the wedding industry that you're networking with the other wedding vendors and especially the venues um so we really look for somebody with that with uh that also because we really feel we can train or they can lean on us on the business uh organization and the finances and so really if we get somebody that is just great with people and really care and um, we go through and make sure that they the relationship side and that it's a good match. And we talk about that through our discovery process that um, really is if you're good with relationships and you love people, that's that's really, really important. And that you're you, you really have a servant mindset. That's extremely important for us, for their staff, especially with their staff, you know, and, and then also with the client so that they can teach. Um, our owners, one of the best things we love talking to them about is they're going to have a unique opportunity to hire on these younger people and and teach them how to care about others and not show up and be on your cell phone or texting while you're working, like be engaged with the bride and groom. Take that responsibility seriously. You can choose your own attitude. You don't have to, something happened early in the day. You can choose to be happy and joyful and give that as a gift to all the people that you're working with. So mm-hmm. that's the that's the sort of thing that that really um, that we look for in an owner that gets that relationship side and truly cares about you know people. Oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Not always easy to find. So a couple of last questions about you, Eric. So you've accomplished a lot in your 31 plus year career. So what are you most proud of? I would say probably um, COVID. Um, that was tough mm-hmm. because literally kind of funny story is I literally uh, just finished paying off the business in January of 2020. So the business had been around for 47 years. So then I was like, boy, I get I get full ownership and I get it, it lasts for three months, right? So yeah. everything shut down. Leading our owners through that mm-hmm. and not losing a single owner. And in a lot of ways, they ended up better financially um, getting through it because weddings came back very strong. Um, leading through that in going home in a and being in a fetal position in the corner at home. Mm. But when I got to work, Put on the brave face, like, hey, we're gonna get through it, right? But you sure. go home. What is happening? Um, I can I can imagine it was tough for your company in particular. Yes, yeah. All I could think about all our franchise owners, like they lose their business. It's it's gonna mm-hmm. go away. I didn't I didn't understand or couldn't see how we would get through something like that. And what's crazy is we always pride ourselves because we're in the wedding industry to be a recession proof type of business. Mm-hmm. So I. The one thing I didn't see coming when you do like a SWOT analysis is a threat that, you know, obviously a virus can come in. They wouldn't allow people to get together. Right. I did not think that was going to happen. So there's a difference between recession proof and pandemic proof. Yes. So, so that's for sure. Well, that's wonderful. Congratulations. I mean, what an accomplishment. So my last question, you've been in franchising a long time, so maybe I should reword this for you. What do you think others should know before they launch into franchising? I think, um, know what what is your support office you know what are they what what's their core values and does it match what yours is because there's so many things that if the core values are the same and you believe things the same way um then all of the other things will fall in line in my opinion so you always have disagreements with people and things but just making sure that the the core values and the things that they feel are the same way you feel about things and how you see the world 
Um, and for us, I think it's important too to look for a franchise that is 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 not um, centered around the conference table, but the best ideas are coming from the franchise owners and the staff members really paying attention and giving credit to the franchise owners and seeing what's working and bring that in and just really be a facilitator. I think that's important for people looking at a franchise that that's the type of concept they're looking for. Very sound advice. And you obviously walk the talk on that, Eric. Thank you so much for being with us. Yeah, you bet. Thank you for the opportunity. Franchise You is brought to you by the Yum Center for Global Franchise Excellence at the University of Louisville. For more information on the center, visit business.louisville.edu slash yumcgfe. Thank you for listening to Franchise You.